Welcome to the Confessions of a Codependent podcast. I am your host, Jenny Red Pill Rage Eon. Very, very proud to be bringing you my only non-political podcast. Something a little deeper, something a little bit more meaningful, something I think we can cross party lines in terms of how many of us suffer from the terrible pain of living a life with codependency. On this podcast, we are going to be talking about everything from personality disorders, narcissistic abuse, prevention, narcissistic abuse healing, narcissistic abuse survival. We're going to be talking about dating uh, tips, toxic fawning. We're going to talk about fight, flight, fawn, or freeze responses. Things not to say to someone who is a trauma survivor. We're going to talk about PTSD. Also the difference between PTSD and complex PTSD. We're going to talk about what self-care is, and what it isn't. We are going to be covering so many incredible topics and hopefully discussing tools that can help us along our journey to become healthier, more self-loving individuals who can truly find love in this world, truly find purpose, and truly live with lion-like courage. So shout out to Codependence Anonymous. Go visit the website coda.org. Let's get started. What is up, codependents? How are you this week? I hope everyone's having a great week. Staying in your villain era, saying no, saving your money, taking care of yourself, self-loving, self-disciplining, stepping into the person that you want to be, setting your goals, and having the wherewithal to achieve them, even if they're just little tiny baby steps, that does matter. Progress is important, okay? We strive for excellence, but not perfection. I hope that you are loving yourself, forgiving yourself, forgiving others, okay, to the best of your ability because it hurts you, and we will get to that topic later about how much it hurts you. Um, But before I get into today's topic, let's go ahead and do the housekeeping. Y'all send a like, rate my podcast, leave a comment on Apple podcast or leave a voice note on Spotify. If you're listening on Spotify, there is a way, there is an opportunity to get your voice on my podcast and I want to hear from you. Okay. If you love it, if you hate it, let me know. If you see room for improvement and you have constructive criticism, let me know. If you have a question or if there's a topic you'd like me to discuss, let me know, okay? I'm really excited to hear from you. I love hearing your voice. Let's make this as interactive as possible, okay? This podcast is not for me. This podcast is not about me. This podcast is about all of us, all of us who suffer from codependency, PTSD, CPTSD, um, Sexual assault trauma, narcissistic trauma, okay, or trauma we receive from a narcissistically abusive parent or lover or whatever, okay? This is for all of us, men, women, everything in between. This is for Americans, Canadians, people in Uganda, people in Nigeria, Japan, wherever you're listening from, this is for you because this seems to be a part of the human condition that nobody wants to talk about. We want to sit here and we want to 
numb ourselves. We want to drink. We want to do drugs. We want to watch a bunch of TV. Maybe some of us have let go of our bodies. Maybe some of us are spending three hours a day in the gym. We're all running from something. We're all hiding from something. We're all in the middle of pain that we can't explain. And we don't, we know why. We know why we're in pain, but we don't know how to deal with it. Modern society does not give us any tools to managing our emotions and to managing our lives. And that's why our lives became unmanageable. That's why we're in 12 step, whether it's Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Sex and Love Anonymous, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. Okay, doesn't matter. We're all running or hiding from something. But here on this podcast, Confessions of a Codependent, we're not hiding anymore and we're not running anymore. And we're having the courage to look in the mirror. We're having the courage to take responsibility for ourselves. We're having the courage to, gee, I don't know, do our shadow work and heal our inner child. We want to stay the course. We want to see results. We want to see progress. And that's what we're here to do. So moment of silence for those who are still suffering. And as 12-step um, attendees, it is our job to carry this message to those who are still suffering, okay? And that's what this podcast is for me, all right? I don't really have anybody I can talk to about these types of things. So I talk to you guys about it, right? This is my online journal. This is my digital journal. I don't like journaling, okay? If I'm going to write about anything, I'm going to write about something else, okay? Or I'm going to write a business plan. I'm going to write a course. I'm going to write a book. I'm not going to write about, oh, I'm so codependent. Oh, my God. Everybody keeps hurting me. I'm not going to write about that, but I'll talk about it on a podcast. (laughs) All right, y'all. So today's topic is going to be a very, very, very heavy one, and I don't want to talk about the personal things that have happened to me. Um, I generally save that for the meetings or I'll save that for the therapist. I don't, uh, I don't want to burden you with that. It's complicated. It's ugly. It's painful. Um, so I am going to refer us to the actual SASA website, which is sasaworldwide.org. And we're just going to go through a couple of different things on this website. The first one that I want to go through is the effects of sexual trauma. I don't need to tell you what sexual trauma is, okay? And then after that, we're going to go through the 12 steps and the 12 promises according to Sexual Assault Survivors Anonymous. And then after that... Uh, I'm going to give you some tips on things that you should not say to someone who has been through not just sexual trauma, but any kind of PTSD, any kind of grief, any type of really, really bad life changing event in their lives. It could be even be a car accident. It could even be, you know, some sort of injury or physical disfigurement. Okay. Some things that you might not want to say, and the reason I know these are things you shouldn't say is because these are things that have been said to me. And my guess is if you are a sexual assault survivor, these things have been said to you, and it really hurts, and it makes things worse. So we are going to be conscious and aware of that. And then lastly, I do have another Alanis Morissette song for you, so we'll do a lyrics review. 
but let's start with let's start at the top okay straight to the point we're jumping right in so buckle up and get ready to go effects of sexual assault sexual assault is an incredibly personal and destructive crime its effects on victims and their loved ones can be felt psychologically emotionally and physically they can be a brief duration or last a very long time it is important to remember that there is no one normal reaction to sexual assault everyone's individual response can be different depending on the situation there are many common effects that a victim may experience and one of the first effects is well the effect of it is called rape trauma syndrome rape trauma syndrome is a common reaction to rape or sexual assault it is the human reaction to an unnatural or extreme event there are three phases to rape trauma syndrome number one the acute phase this phase occurs immediately after the assault and usually lasts a few days to several weeks in this phase individuals can have many reactions but they typically fall into three categories of reactions expressed this is when the survivor is openly emotional he or she may appear agitated or hysterical he or she may suffer from crying spells or anxiety attacks controlled this is when the survivor appears to be without emotion and acts as if nothing happened and everything is fine this appearance of calm may be shock okay shocked disbelief this is when the survivor reacts with a strong sense of disorientation he or she may have difficulty concentrating making decisions or doing everyday tasks he or she may have a poor recall of the assault meaning poor memory of the assault um i could definitely say uh not so much from my sexual assaults but from uh my attempted murder i had no memory of it at all um unfortunately it was filmed and it was posted and had over 6000 views before youtube took it down but um i did not remember anything so it's it's not uncommon to especially if you're being suffocated or you were hit in the head during the assault it is possible that you might not remember any of it okay number 2 the second phase of rape trauma syndrome the outward adjustment phase during this phase the individual resumes what appears to be his or her normal life but inside is suffering from considerable turmoil in this phase there are five primary coping techniques first one minimization pretends that everything is fine or that it could have been worse dramatization cannot stop talking about the assault and it's and it and it is what dominates their life and identity suppression refuses to discuss acts as if it did not happen explanation analyzes what happened what the individual did what the rapist was thinking or feeling boy did i go through that oh god did i go through that flight tries to escape the pain moving changing jobs changing appearance changing relationships etc there are many symptoms or behaviors that appear during this phase including continue continuing anxiety severe mood swings sense of helplessness persistent fear or phobia depression rage difficulty sleeping nightmares insomnia eating difficulties nausea vomiting compulsive eating uh denial 
withdrawal from friends, family activities, hypervigilance, reluctance to leave the house or go places that remind the individual of the assault, sexual problems, difficulty concentrating, flashbacks. Of all these symptoms and behaviors, of all these symptoms and behaviors may take the individual more willing to see, may make the individual more willing to seek counseling and or to discuss the assault. The third phase of rape trauma syndrome is the resolution phase. During this phase, the assault is no longer the central focus of the individual's life. While he or she may recognize that he or she will never forget the assault, the pain and negative outcomes lessen over time. Often the individual will begin to accept the rape as part of his or her life and chooses to move on. Okay. I'd like to think, ladies and gentlemen, codependents, that this might be where we're at. Okay. And for the gentlemen who might be listening, I need you to understand that there are men who attend these 12-step meetings. Um. I have personally known men in my life that had been molested or taken advantage of by other men. We all know that it happens in prison all the time. We definitely know that it happens in the church all the time. Okay, so let's not play this game where we're going to pretend like it doesn't happen and we don't know that it's happening. Okay, um, there is an individual in, my, uh, in one of my 12-step groups who was uh who once talked about being assaulted by a neighbor, okay? Not the fucking stranger down the street in a dark alley. But as a child, he was assaulted by a neighbor. There was another individual who discussed being assaulted by a family member. Okay? We know this is happening to you. We know that this is one of the reasons why you become hypersexual as an adult. It's not just your testosterone. It's also the fact that you're running and fucking and fucking and fucking and fucking and fucking to try to fuck the pain away. We know that you're doing that. It, well, at least an enlightened woman knows that you're doing that. We know that you're taking drugs because you never talked about the fact that your brother or your uncle fucking touched you. We know that that's the reason you're an alcoholic. We know the reason that part of the reason you might have ADD or ADHD isn't because you just simply can't focus. It's because you can't focus because you've got the memories of all this bullshit going on from your childhood that you never talked about. Or maybe it happened later on in life. Maybe you got drunk and somebody took advantage of you, gentlemen. It's time to face it. It's time to stop de destroying yourself, destroying your professional life, destroying your family. It's time to stop putting the fucking blame on everyone else because you got butt raped. Yeah, I said it. You got butt raped. And that's why you're the asshole that you are. You got butt raped and that's why you're the drug addict that you are. You got butt raped. That's why you can't stay in one relationship longer than four weeks. You got butt raped and you're freaking out because you don't know if you're gay or straight or bi or whatever. It is time for the men to start stepping up and stepping forward, taking responsibility for themselves and admitting that this is what happened to them. Now, there's a reason it's called 12-Step Anonymous. 
You don't have to say your real name. You could, you could come into a meeting with sunglasses, a hat, and a gator on if you wanted to. But you got to come. You got to step up. You got, you, you've got to get some help. You're, I know you're drinking yourself to death. I know you're doing drugs. I know you're addicted to pornography because you're trying to recreate the nasty shit that was done to you. Ladies, if you have a man like this in your life, it ain't for no reason that these men are out of control. It ain't for no reason that these men are out here trying to escape. And they can't stay with one chick because they all, they're, they're attention seekers. They're chemistry seekers. They're avoidant. Why are they avoidant? Because they hate themselves. Why do they hate themselves? Because they got butt raped when they were kids. They got touched on when they were kids. Something weird happened at a slumber party when they were kids. Something weird happened at Boy Scouts. Something weird happened at summer camp. And gentlemen, we're not going to keep letting you destroy yourselves and destroying us in the process. We're healing as women. We're facing this shit as women. And now it's time for you to do the same, gentlemen. Next up, what I want to talk about is just, again, I'm just reading from the sasaworldwide.org website. I want you guys to know what these steps are. I'm going to continue to repeat them in various episodes throughout the podcast. And I also want you to know what the 12 promises are. And that light as well. I'm going to repeat those at various uh, episodes throughout the podcast, throughout the seasons, because this is super important, okay? This is super important, all right? These steps, now listen, before I, I go into praising these steps, listen, these steps are not a complete guideline for your life. However, if your life has become unmanageable, and I assume that it has because you're listening to this podcast, if your life has become unmanageable, understand this. These steps are a guide. They are a simple baseline guide for how you need to start changing your mindset and thinking about things differently from this point forward. Okay. Now, are these steps going to make you a millionaire? Are these steps going to help you find the love of your life? Are these steps going to help all of your dreams come true? No, they're not. But what these steps will do is they will keep you in a state of accountability to yourself they will keep you in a place of a, being able to process your trauma with courage. And like I said, they are a guideline for changing your mentality about things from victim to victorious. Okay, here we go. I'm sure you've heard them before. We're going to keep saying them. I'm going to keep saying them until it gets until you get it through your head, until I get it through my head. OK, because I'm repeating this for myself as well. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over the assault, the effects of the assault and that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two came to believe that a loving higher power greater than ourselves could restore hope, healing and sanity. 
Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of a loving higher power as we understood that to be. Step four, made a searching and fearless inventory of ourselves, the assault and the effects on our lives. We had no more secrets. And let me just say on a side note, the secrecy surrounding the sexual assault is what then causes the shame. And from the shame comes the low self-esteem, the poor decision-making, the constant need for external validation, the promiscuity, the drug use, the alcohol abuse, everything comes from the secrecy. Everything comes from the secrecy. It's not the assault that destroys us. It's the secrecy that destroys us. And I know you know this to be true. You've had secrets in your family with, may not even have anything to do with sexual assault, but you know if you come from a dysfunctional family, that you were the scapegoat, you were the black sheep that had to keep your mouth shut and hold on to everybody's dirty laundry. And that's what fucked you up. That's part of what fucked you up and made you codependent in the first place was the fact that you couldn't talk about it. And if you did talk about it, people didn't believe you. Or if you did talk about it, people blamed you for it. Okay, here in the 12 step community, there are no secrets. You don't, you can say things in your meeting that you can't tell anybody else. You can't tell your friends, you can't tell your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You certainly can't ask your parents to be held accountable for it. But that's okay. Because the 12 step program understands that secrecy is what keeps us all in in bondage. Number five, admitted to a loving higher power to ourselves and to another human being, our strengths and weaknesses. Six, we're entirely ready to have a loving higher power help us remove all the debilitating consequences of the assault and became willing to treat ourselves with respect, compassion, and acceptance. Seven, humbly and honestly asked a loving higher power to remove the unhealthy and self-defeating consequences stemming from sexual abuse. Eight, made a list of people we have harmed of our own free will, including ourselves, and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would result in physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual harm to ourselves and others. 10. Continued to take responsibility for our own recovery, and when we found ourselves behaving in patterns still dictated by the assault, promptly admitted to it. This, there's the accountability part, okay? If you're going to go, if, if you've been, if you are a sexual assault survivor and you have used promiscuity to try to fill up that hole, and you go out there and you have a one-night stand, you need to admit that to yourself. It wasn't about pleasure. It wasn't about being in the moment. Being in the moment, you know, and just doing what feels good. It was about the fact that you haven't filled, fulfilled that hole in yourself. And you need to fulfill it and you need to admit that to yourself. Number 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with ourselves and our loving higher power as we understood that to be. Asking only for knowledge of higher power's will for us and the power to carry it out. Okay. Again, I said this. I said, I don't know that this is going to be the blueprint for your life, but this is definitely a guideline. Okay. 
knowing your purpose, realizing your purpose, self-actualization. That is what your loving higher power wants for you. That is what you need to be wanting for yourself. And if you ask God, whichever God you serve, if you ask God to help you, I promise you, God will help you. It may not happen right away, but it will happen if you're consistent. Number 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other survivors and practice these principles in all of our endeavors. That's what this podcast is. This is not a vanity project. This is about making sure that I can use my voice, my platforms, my creativity to make sure that there are others out there who can get the help through 12-step that they need it, that they need so badly. I can't tell you how many unbelievably dysfunctional people I've known in my life, yet they refuse to get help. And I don't care if it's 12-step therapy, ayahuasca, getting a life coach, whatever you need to do, you got to do something. You can't sit there and live in that prison forever. This is what 12-step is all about. We want to get you out of the prison. I want to get myself. Jenny needs to get be, be free from this prison. I feel pretty free right now, but I still got a long way to go. I still got a long way to go. But here's what gives me hope is the 12 promises, okay? And you know what? Before I read these promises, I'm going to do something else. The Grudge, okay? The name of this song is called The Grudge by Alanis Morissette, coming off the so-called Chaos album in 2004. Now, as I was reading the lyrics of this song, there's a part of me now that I could be wrong. One of, so one of us is going to have to ask Alanis, and it is obviously it is my dream to meet her one day or to have her on the podcast. We love her. She is our patron saint of codependency. But I'm thinking about the way that she words certain things in this songs, and I kind of think it's about Dave Coulier. Uh, and as we all know, Dave Coulier had a relationship with Alanis Morissette when she was 17. Uh, Alanis and Dave Coulier are both Canadian. And you know what? Actually, let me look up what is the age of consent in Canada. Age of consent in Canada is 16 years old. I believe it's the same in England. Um, but I think the effects of having this uh, relationship with this man who was about, who was significantly older than her at the time, I'm, I, I, we all know or we all speculate that her first big hit and probably the biggest hit she's ever had, You Ought to Know, was written about Dave Coulier. And here in this song, she's discussing how perhaps it uh, drug his name through the mud a little bit, but really in the end that she is the one who still suffers because of it. And I thought to myself, you know, that's very similar 
to what sexual trauma does to all of us. You know, we live with it for a lifetime. And the, the hatred, the anger, the dysfunction that we hold on to doesn't ever punish them, but it punishes us more, right? So you think about it and, and you interpret this song any way that you want to, but it really reminded me of what the effects of sexual trauma do to us or pretty much any type of abuse do to us. So here we go. This is called The Grudge. 14 years, 30 minutes, 15 seconds, I've held this grudge. 11 songs, four full journals, thoughts of punishment I've expended. Not in contact, not, not a letter, such communication, telepathic. You've been vilified, used as father, fodder, okay, like cannon fodder. You deserve a piece of every record. And what I, the reason I think this is about you ought to know, and this is about Dave Coulier, is because she made a ton of money off of that song. And I guess she's kind of questioning whether or not, because he was the subject matter, if he deserves some royalties. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I, you interpret this how you want to. But who's it hurting now? Who's the one that's stuck? Who's it torturing now? with an antique knot in her stomach. I want to be big and let go of this grudge that's grown old. All this time I've not known how to rest this bygone. I want to be soft and resolved, clean of slate and released. I want to forgive for the both of us. Like an abandoned house, dusty covered furniture still intact, if I visit it now, will I simply relive it somehow gratuitous? But who's aching now? Who's tired of her own voice? Who is it weighing down with no gift from time of said healing? Oof. I want to be big and let go of this grudge that's grown old. All this time I've not known how to rest this bygone. I want to be soft and resolved, clean of slate and released. I want to forgive for the both of us. Maybe as I cut the cord, veils will lift from my eyes. Maybe as I lay this to rest, dead weight off my shoulders will rise. Ooh, damn girl. I'm telling you, Alanis understands us. Here I sit, much determined, ever ill-equipped, to draw this curtain, how this has entertained, validated, and has served me well, ever the victim. But who's done whining now? Who's ready to put down this load I've carried longer than I have cared to remember? I want to be big and let go of this grudge that's grown old. All this time, I've not known how to rest this bygone. I want to be soft and resolved, clean of slate and released. I want to forgive for the both of us. Kind of sounds like uh, something we've all felt, right? 
the grudge, I mean, part of our codependence is living in the past. And part of living in the past is the grudges that we hold, the lack of justice that we've gotten. And even if we've gotten justice for what has happened to us by whoever has abused us, the effects of it seem to keep coming like into our subconscious. The effects of it seem to stay in our subconscious and it shows in our personality disorder. It shows in our habits. It becomes evident in the choices we make. Okay. It comes, it becomes evident in the people that we sleep with. It becomes evident in the friends that we entertain. It becomes evident in our inability to stay at the same job for, you know, whatever amount of time. So working the steps is what's going to release you. Okay. It's the guideline that you need that's going to set you free. And the reason I know it's going to set you free is because these are the 12 promises. Again, sasaworldwide.org, 12 promises, very simple, yet very beautiful and inspiring and definitely the place that we all want to be in. First promise, we will attain and maintain serenity. Second promise, we are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. Ain't that right? Step, I'm sorry, promise three, we will not regret our part in the past or wish to shut the door on it. Step four, we will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. Step, uh, promise five, no matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see our experience can benefit others. Promise six, that feeling of uselessness and self-pity would disappear. Oh my God, thank you, Jesus, it has. Thank you, Jesus, it has. Promise seven, we will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in humanity. Promise eight, self-knowledge will blossom. Promise nine, our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Promise 10, fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. Promise 11, we will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. Promise 12, we will suddenly realize that higher power is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. You see, when Alanis taught, what does she say right here? Maybe as I cut the cord, veils will lift from my eyes. Maybe as I lay this to rest, the dead weight off my shoulder will rise. I love that. I love that. This is what the promise is. The promise is not only a new serenity and a new freedom, but also that the dead weight will come off of you. It will come off of you physically. It will come off of you emotionally. It will come off of you spiritually. You're going you're gonna to walk a little taller. You're going to have a little bit more pep in your step because you're not feeling like shit about yourself every day of your goddamn life. And I know you do because you're listening to this podcast. If your life was perfect and everything was cool, you wouldn't be on Spotify or iTunes listening to my voice. The dead weight will come, the dead weight off my shoulders will rise. 
This is the best part. This is what the 12 promises represent. That the dead weight will rise. It will come off of your shoulders. And there's going to come a time where you have so much faith, you don't even know what to do with it. You'll, you'll have so much joy, you don't even know what to do with it. You're going to have a financial setback and it's not going to freak you out. Someone that you're dating is going to dump you and you're not going to want to kill yourself afterward. You're not going to want to beat yourself up afterward. You're going to make a mistake and you're going to be able to treat yourself like a, like a little baby, you know, who fell and, and needs help getting up instead of treating yourself like the enemy. That's the 12 promises. This is the dead weight that's going to come off of your shoulders. This right here. And it's a beautiful place to be. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit shocked that some of these promises are starting to come true for me in just the less than two years that I've been in the program. And here's the other thing that I have to admit. And this is really sad. Okay, so if, if I do have a, a confession, it's this. I started coming to meetings in maybe, maybe March or April of 2022, okay? So that would be about 18 months, right? Now, at this point. As, at least at the point of me recording this, okay? I stopped doing the meetings when I got with David and really stopped doing the meetings um, fall of last year as I was trying to process the breakup with David um, through journaling. <laughs> and again, this is why I say journaling doesn't work for me through journaling. Um, and also at the time I was living with an alcoholic who was just making so much fucking noise all the time. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't do anything. Uh, I will talk about noise abuse and how the narcissist likes to keep you up at night. And that's definitely what my piece of shit alcoholic roommate was doing. So, my living situation was horrible. Uh, work was okay. Uh, I was doing really well at work, but my living situation was horrible. I had no peace. I couldn't get any quiet. I couldn't get any sleep. And I was really brokenhearted over David. I was trying to pull myself back together. I wasn't getting any type of physical activity because there was, you know... I couldn't, I didn't have anywhere to work out. I could have gone to Planet Fitness, but it was just, I had to work so many fucking hours that I just wasn't doing it. Um, I wasn't attending the meetings for like maybe four or five months. It wasn't until I got my own place, which was January of this year, January, 2022, that I finally got everything back on track. Like I could finally... I, you know, I like, I like to work at, I like going to the gym, like, and stuff. 
I like working out outside, but I also like working out at home, especially like just to stretch, which is pretty much all I do now is gentle movement, somatic movements and uh, stretching. And it's great. I'm, I'm loving it, especially after that terrible car accident that I was in. It's kind of all I can do. And I'm not trying to push myself to being into fucking CrossFit anymore and all that other shit that I used to push myself to do, which was a trauma response in and of itself because I had body dysmorphia and because, you know, it was really the only outlet that I had was exercise, weightlifting. Um, so it's really only been like 10 months consistently that I've been doing 12-step. So it was maybe a year and a half or almost two years in total, off and on. But consistently, it has been about 10 months. And I don't, again, I don't know how, I don't know why. But I'm finally loving myself and I'm finally practicing the self-care slash self-discipline that I need to practice in my life. I'm finally seeing myself as equal to others. I'm finally understanding that I am not damaged goods, that I am not worthless, that I am not unlovable. I'm finally, it's finally becoming clear. Like it's finally starting to soak in. It's really weird how that happens, that when you're consistent, you actually see results. It's weird how that happens. It's weird the correlation between consistency and results. And I'm very happy that uh, I've only missed a few weeks of meetings probably in the last 10 months. I'm religious. I'm, I'm not religious, but like I go to, I used to do a Monday night CODA meeting and now I do a Tuesday afternoon CODA meeting. I like the I like the Tuesday meeting much more because it's just, it's more people and it's more of a mix of people. So you get to hear a lot more perspectives. And the Monday meeting that I go, went to initially, like it was cool, but it was like so many newcomers that it was seems like, you know, I wasn't really getting any depth. And it's really important if you're choosing a 12-step meeting to make sure that there's a mix of people there. Because if it's all newcomers, it's going to be the blind leading the blind. But if you have some people that are newcomers and some people who've maybe been in for a couple of months and then some people who've been doing it for a couple of years, then you have a good mix of all different types of perspectives and you get a lot of insight from people who have been doing the, the program longer than you have. And, and those people are going to be really good for answering your questions as opposed to trying to relate and get answers from people who are just now discovering or just now getting therapy, you know? I hope that makes sense. So uh, the last thing that I wanted to mention um, in this segment is things not to say to survivors or anyone with PTSD. Now, like I said in the beginning, this could include any kind of major life change, okay? So if someone has to file for bankruptcy, if someone loses their home, if someone loses their car, if someone um, gets severely injured in an accident, 
If someone is experiencing grief because of the death of a love, loved one or even the death of a dog, you know, like dogs matter. Dogs' lives matter. <laughs> dogs' lives matter, right? Um, anyone who's just experienced a divorce, anyone who's just experienced a sexual assault, anyone who's just experienced any kind of painful, painful, painful life-changing thing, any, definitely any veterans that have come back from overseas, you do not want to say these things to them, okay? I call, what I'm about to say, what I'm about to show you is what I call hallmark channel advice, okay? And the reason that this is so hurtful is because this generally comes from people who've never experienced anything so awful, right? This is what toxic positive people say. This is what ignorant religious people say. This is what your friends say to you who've never been through it, but they just want you, they just kind of want to shut you up because they don't want to talk about the painful things that you've been through. Um, this is the type of things that they say. These are the types of things that had been said to me after uh, the attempted murder on my life. And I remember feeling so enraged that people could be so careless and so insensitive. But the truth is, I don't think these people actually know better. You know, this Hallmark Channel, Dr. Phil, very generalized advice only makes it hurt worse. And if you have experienced sexual assault or grief or PTSD, I know these things have been said to you. So you could relate to them, all right? Number one, you're, and, and by the way, I wrote these, okay? Again, this is coming from my own experience. Number one, you're so strong. Number two, I love you. Like, I don't care that you fucking love me. I just, somebody tried to kill me. Somebody raped me. I saw someone's heads get blown off in Afghanistan. I don't care that you fucking love me, bitch. <laughs> right? Isn't that how we want to respond? Here's another one. God never gives you more than you can bear. And then for us, for us survivors, it's like, well, what kind of fucking God do we serve? A God that, that sits back and laughs at us while we go through the worst pain of our lives because we can bear it. That's why he does this to us. You see, what that does is it alleviates it alleviates the responsibility of your own self for your own safety. As if God doesn't care about you. God's just going to do this to you for fun. God's just going to, you know, put this horrible thing into your life or have this horrible thing happen to you because, you know, you can handle it. You can handle it as if you don't deserve protection, as if you don't deserve gentleness, as if you don't deserve kindness as if you don't deserve safety. Fuck that shit. The higher power that I have now, the higher power that I know, the God, the Jesus that's in my heart now, oh, hell no. Ain't no, he can never give you more than, than you can bear. No, fuck that. The God that I know now says, you are my precious daughter. And I will, I will use all my angels to protect you. 
That's the God that I serve. That's the higher power that I know now. Fuck this. God will never give you more than you can bear shit. Here's another one. Everything happens for a reason. What, what, you think I lost my best friend for a reason? You think I had to watch somebody's head get blown off for a reason? I got raped for a reason. I was incested for a reason. What fucking reason is that? Huh? Ask them. Next time somebody says that stupid shit to you, what fucking reason is that? To make me more depressed? To put me in more pain? To, to deprive me of more sleep, to give me more nightmares, to put me into a place where I'm drinking and abusing drugs more? Is that the reason? Fuck that shit. When people say that, no. Everything does not happen for a reason. Cruelty is cruelty. And the person who committed the cruelty against you deserves fucking justice. And you as the victim, you as the, the survivor, you deserve understanding. You deserve compassion. <laughs> Here's another one for rape survivors. What were you wearing? Well, you shouldn't have been wearing that. You shouldn't have been drinking with boys. You shouldn't have gone to that party. Right? Right? How many of us sexual assault survivors have heard that shit? It makes you want to slap the taste out of people's mouths when they say that shit. Here's another one. You like being depressed. Well, this one's controversial because I do think there are a lot of people who like being victims. Okay. I do think there are a lot of people who do like being depressed because of the attention that it get. It garners them. Okay. But I don't think if you're seeking help, if you're going to 12-step or therapy or listening to this podcast, I don't think you like being depressed. I think you are reaching for every possible solution that you can find, right? That's, that, that one can go both ways. So I probably shouldn't have added that one to the list, but it's something to think about. Here's another one. It's time to move on. You need to move on. Just forget about it. See, that's what toxic positive people say. See, toxic positive people, and we're going to do an episode about this. um, They love being avoidant and dismissive. They love it. They love it. They think if they don't have to see it, if they don't have to hear about it, if they don't have to smell it, and if they don't have to taste it, that it doesn't exist, right? Time to move on. You need to move on. Fuck that shit. Fuck that shit. Alana said it in the in the song. She says, time did not heal. Time did not heal. Time doesn't heal any fucking thing. What heals you is the work. What heals you is shadow work. What heals you is consistency. What heals you is dedication. Like I said, I have dedicated consistently. I've only missed a few weeks. I've consistently dedicated time twice a week to going to two meetings. My CODA meeting 
and my SASA meeting. And if I have, and if I can carve out the time at some point, I would love to go to an SLAA meeting, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. I don't think that I have the time right now, but those two meetings that I told you about, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, that is my sacred time. And I have been consistent with it. And I have grown leaps and bounds. I have a level of peace and serenity in my heart that I have never experienced before. And I don't even know how it happened. It doesn't make sense how it happened. Now, if you look at the 10 months that I've been consistent, I could have, I could have spent the last 10 months continuing to hate myself, continuing to self-doubt, continuing to have low self-esteem, continuing to believe the lies of the voices that were in my head, and nothing would have been accomplished. Or I could have used that 10 months time to attend these meetings and be consistent. Time doesn't matter. The work is what matters. Now, here's another one. This is the last one. This is about what Christians like to say to you, okay? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. You guys have probably gathered this from my Christianity and Codependence episodes. If you haven't listened to those episodes, you have to go back and listen to them. I've got one and two, part one and part two, Christianity and Codependence. It's in season one. Go look at it, okay? The church is full of demons. And I will stand on that and I will say that with my whole chest. And I will say that in the face of any fucking pastor that disagrees with me. The church is not a safe place and it never has been. It is not a safe place for women. It is not a safe place for children. It is not a safe place for um, people who have, who have experienced extreme trauma. The church is the most unsafe place. The church is as unsafe for an unhealed person as the bar, dive bar down the street is. The church is full of narcissists. It's full of grifters. It's full of child molesters. It's full of energy vampires. It's full of scammers. And when Jesus comes back, I bet I promise you the Jesus that I know is going to be turning over every motherfucking table in Jesus name. Hallelujah. The Jesus that I know has got a, is going to is going to expose a lot of shit. The Jesus that I know is not the Jesus of the church. The church is an evil place. It is full of evil, unhealed, dramatic, borderline, narcissistic, cluster B motherfuckers. It's full of people who have no idea who the Christ really is. And I'm not saying my relationship with him is perfect, but I will tell you this, the God that I know is not the God that they fucking preach. I promise you that. 
The God that I know is not in the pulpit and he ain't in those four walls. He ain't in the, he ain't in the, uh, he ain't at mass. He ain't at, at Wednesday night Bible study. Those people have used religion to become an addiction for them. They have used religion to become a crutch for the fact that they don't have no motherfucking identity without using, you know, this good little Christian stuff. Christians are some of the most evil people you will ever meet. So when they say this shit, what I'm about to tell you, you rebuke them in the name of Jesus Christ. You rebuke them for this evil thing that they like to say. And here it is. You're not living in victory. You don't have enough faith. See, that's an evil thing to say to somebody who's a rape victim. That's an evil thing to say to a veteran who's come back from war or come back from overseas. That's an evil thing to tell a child who's been molested or incested by a family member. That's an evil thing to say to a woman or a man who is in a domestic violence situation and they're getting their ass beat every day. That's an evil thing that the devil would say. But you know who likes to say that shit? Christians. So fuck them. Fuck them.